0: You're listening to The Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about cathedral-like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearcathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Good morning. How in the world is everybody doing? Man, it's good to see you guys. It's great to be here. Happy Sunday to you. How many of you guys ever had a friend who love to sing some songs, but it's like they didn't know any of the lyrics? Okay, so that's me. I also have a friend who knows the lyrics, okay? He's one of the drummers that sits back here, and he's so polite. He never corrects me. He just starts singing the right words. It's very gentle of him, uh, but I, I literally, I couldn't tell you any of the words of hardly any song, uh, but I will sing them like I know every single word to a T, and I will do it 100%. The uh, pet shark actually reminded me of something I was seeing. I don't know what social media site I was on, but uh, there was this young girl. We've got emotional pets these days, right? And they're getting a little more outlandish. And I don't know where this was, but it looked like, what's the thing that we have downtown with the fountains? No, not the pineapple one, the one that like squirts. And all the kids play. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. It looked like something like that, and her emotional pet animal was an alligator on a leash. This is like a real thing. That's serious. Anybody else see that? Did you see that? Craziness. I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't know how in the world that, that is allowed. And then things are dangerous. Well, we're in a series, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about this week. Uh, we're in, actually, we're in week number three of a five part series, uh, and it's simply called The Good Life. We're exploring these promises that we see throughout Scripture. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about that here in a moment, but I just wanna take a second just to say hey to a couple folks. Um, I want to say hey to everybody who's joining us online. We've got a couple different groups there, uh, but everybody who's joining us on our website, we got our live streaming going right there, or whether you're joining us on YouTube, uh, I just want to say hey, hey, thank you uh, for coming and just bringing us into your home, letting us be a part. Can Everybody real quick, can we just give a hand to everybody who's joining us online? I love that you guys are just a part, you're part of the Cathedral family, and I thank you for taking the time to do so, um, I love that we have technology that we can do that, whether you're on vacation or on a business trip or whether you just live in a different state, um, but you can be a part of the family. So thank you guys for being here. Um, hopefully on the way in you were able to receive our message notes and I actually got in a conversation with another one of our staff members because we were talking about this. I'm personally a fan. anybody fans some notes? any fans notes? No? Okay, like me and a couple others. Okay, great. All right. well we got in this debate of does it actually help? And so we didn't really answer the question, but I had to ask Google. And so here's the consensus on Google, is that you actually retain the information five times greater than if you didn't. So get your notes ready. (laughs) I wish somebody would have told me that in college. They really didn't participate. However, I did do a really smart thing. I would sit by people who were really good at note taking. And they would give me the notes. And so especially if my wife was in the class, man, I loved when she was in my class. Because she took some good notes. So we're excited. i got a a couple of great things for you this weekend. Some great insight I think will just kind of make this cup number two kind of come alive. And what we're doing is we're taking a look as a church at the celebration that happened in the Old Testament. It actually still takes place to this day. The Jewish people, they celebrate this every single year. And it's called the Feast of Passover. Now, this has been something that has been done for over 3,500 years. And the Jewish people, what they do is they stop everything they're, they're doing. And God's basically saying, hey, I, I need you to slow down in your life because I want you to remember something. And as they celebrate the Feast of what they're what they're celebrating, what they're remembering, is the goodness of God in their life. Specifically, the Israelites are remembering the goodness of the fact that God rescued them from the captivity of the Egyptians. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, and what we see is Jesus and the disciples in the New Testament were also celebrating this same exact feast. We now know it as the Last Supper. Okay? Now, if you read in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22, I believe it is, you can read that, and it tells us about this occasion. And when you read through the chapter, you're going to notice that they mention the cup several times in the telling of the story. And that's more likely because they're actually going through this exact process that we're learning in this series, which is the promise of these four cups, which is what they're celebrating in the Feast of Passover. And that makes so much sense when you really think about it as we begin to know the promises that God has for us. As we begin to understand them a little bit more which is the goal kind of of what we're doing on the, on the weekend services, and certainly once we begin to pursue these four core promises, you understand that, man, they, these are things that God for over 3,500 years desperately wanted for you and I. Ultimately, what was happening at the Last Supper was Jesus came onto this earth to become the complete fulfillment of the Passover, Because of what he did, what he did on the cross, and we talked about that last week, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he completed the four promises. And that's what I love about this because it confirms everything about the Old, Testament. because Jesus is at the center of these promises, of these four cups. Let me explain what I mean. There's a pattern that you see all throughout the Old Testament, and here's the pattern. It starts off with promises. God gives all these promises to the Israelites. They begin to operate them. They're living this good life, right? We've got the promises happening. They get relaxed. They start not needing to depend on God so much, even to the point that they'll invite false gods now to be a part of their life. They'll go away from the promises of God, enter now the next phase, which is bondage. And so then they get in living in this bondage, and it gets so bad to the point that they plead their case before God. They repent, and they say, oh, please, God, will you rescue us? And over and over again, as you read the entire Old Testament, this is the theme that we see with the Israelites. It's promises, bondage, rescue. Start over. Promises, bondage, rescue. Now, the initial revelation of these four promises were not working because humanity at this point didn't have the power of the living spirit of God, Jesus, living within them. All they had were these external laws. They had the tablets that they got. It was these rules, regulations. They had nothing but this external law. So when Jesus came onto the earth, he died for our sins. Guess what he also handled? He handled sin for us. He handled the separation that happens when we sin. And he did it once and for all. And so now the result of that is the fullness of the promises that we're we're talking about can now become a reality for every single person living on this earth. Now if you remember, we've talked about there's a lot of promises in scripture. But the amazing thing about these four is these four are different because they're eternal. Now, another way to say that that is they're significant, and we know that they're significant because they continually show up in Scripture time and time again. As you read, not only just in the Old Testament, in the New Testament and everything in between. You know, if, if you'd like to study this whole thing and you just want to see this theme pop up, there's a lot of different examples that I could give you. But just turn to Matthew chapter 28. We talk about the Great Commission in this whole thing. Well, when you read this, what you're going to see is this baton passing from God to Jesus, right? And the Great Commission of what he's giving for every single one of us it may sound a little bit different, but it's the same mission It's the same vision of the four promises operating. We see this all throughout Scripture, this this repetitive theme of the four cups, these four promises that they celebrate during this Feast of Passovers. Um, Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about this idea of promises that God makes. And and we broke down both sides of that equation, what is God's promise part in the promises, and then the flip side of that is, what what, what is our part in receiving those promises? Now, of anything that I've spoken about on this stage, I got tremendous feedback on this. The amount that you guys reached out to me on this of, uh, and I love that because anytime you get certain revelation maybe you hear something and it just makes sense to you right like it just pops off and and it's almost like you've unlocked a whole nother relationship part aspect of of the relationship that you have with jesus right and so that's what you guys were communicating, and I encourage you if, you, if you didn't listen to that message, go back to it because it makes the rest of these messages make so much more sense. Uh, and if you were a part of the ones who gave me some great feedback on that, I encourage you, go back and listen to it again because any time that the Lord is really speaking to me, when I go back and listen to it again, it'll either reaffirm it. Or it'll show me a different aspect, because how many of you know when we're in different seasons? It's like you can hear the same thing, but the Lord shows you something different each time you hear it. And so I encourage you, go back and listen to it, because it is really the gateway um, to the rest of this series. Um, Last week, we started the uh, journey of going a little bit more into depth. And that's what we're doing each of these weeks. Uh, We started with cup one last week. This week, we're going to do our best to understand cup number two. Now these are found in Exodus chapter 6. This is our theme verse. And if you remember, this is the verse that when they're celebrating the feast of Passovers, they're actually reading this particular section of Scripture. So let's do it again together. Here's where it starts. It says, therefore say to the Israelites that I am the Lord. And then he starts communicating to us. He says, hey, I'm going to do four things in your life. The first thing is this. He says, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This was last week's message. God's desire is that we don't have to fix ourselves up. We don't have to clean ourselves up before we come to him. We actually don't do anything. We do the opposite. He wants nothing from us other than just to say yes and simply follow him. He gives us this promise. He says, I want to save you. Then he goes on to the second promise. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and, And what he wants to do is basically says, listen, I physically have taken you out of Egypt. And now I want to get the Egypt out of you. And so we're going to explore that. The third promise is this. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgments. This is going to be next week, and we're even going to explain those two things, why an outstretched arm, why these mighty acts of judgment. But see, this is the desire that God has for every single one of us, that no matter how far off you think you are, no matter how much you think you have messed up, God is always going to leave the 99 to go after the one because he wants to make sure that you understand something, that he had a plan from the very beginning of time for your life. And no matter how much you messed up, he can always bring you back to the original part, to the intended plan for your life. He ends with this fourth promise, which is this. He says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. The first promise, the first three promises are all about you and I as the individual. And now his focus begins to shift, and he puts the you and I in a place where we are making a difference together. But there's an important key to making this happen. You see, because you have to have the right group. You have to have the right people in the mix. And when we put all of that together, when we put these four promises together, he says, then, and only then, will you know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the junk that you were living under. I brought you out from being under the yoke of the Egyptians. And so on the screen behind me, they're going to put the four promises. I'm not going to take the time to go back through them. I encourage you, you're more than welcome to take a picture. I'm going to leave it up there for just a second. Um, Or if you have your last week's message notes, we have them there as well. But last week, what we did is we went through this first cup, which this first cup is the cup of sanctification. It's this, this salvation promise Now, that first one, by the end of last week, I think you understood, this promise is different. This one stands alone and is is different than the rest. And the reason why it's different is because it's the doorway to the other three. The other three cannot happen without this one operating, okay? And so what I want to do is, before we get too far into today, I want to make sure that we understand the difference between cup one and cup two. Because when you read them in Scripture... It kind of sounds similar. Like, did I hear him right? Because the first cup, you said, hey, I'm going to bring you out of slavery. And then in the second cup, he says, I'm going to free you from being slaves. Couldn't you have just combined those into one cup, right? Couldn't we just taken a bigger cup maybe? And it would have made sense, right? So what is the difference? And this is the first thing that we need to understand. I'm going to pose it in, in a question form, which is this. Is, is salvation really that easy? I mean, y'all, can we celebrate one more time the fact that we had over 80-something salvations last week? I mean, yes! So proud of you guys. I mean, 80% of, or 80 of you guys drank from this first cup, and now you have the door unlocked to the next three. And I, that's why I'm so pumped to give you all, all of this whole series is because once you understand what God wants for our life, you can't unsee it. And now we begin to know how to operate within these. But the question is, is salvation, surely salvation can't be that easy. And the answer is, yes, it is. Here's why. God did it that way very intentionally. You see, Jesus did all of the work that he did on the cross between his death, burial, and resurrection, everything that that represents the salvation so that nothing that you or I could ever do could be a part of the salvation equation. So, that you couldn't possibly convince yourself or take any credit for it. Okay? Here's, here's what Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 8 says. Talks about this exact thing. It says, God saved you through the faith as an act of kindness. Okay? If you've ever heard the phrase of salvation through grace, that is this right here, okay? And I love this next line. You gotta appreciate how simple the Bible is. He says, You. And me had nothing to do with it. And I love that because God decided to do this. He saved us, and all we had to do was believe. Being saved, this this salvation process, it's a gift from God. It's a free gift from God. And in case you missed it the first time I said it, let me say it one more time. Because He says, it's not the result of anything you've done. You didn't have to change. You didn't have to work on yourself. Nothing. Why? So that none of us could brag about it. God never wanted works to be a part of the first cup. His goal was to make it as simple as possible because it's a free gift to us. The moment that you and I made the decision to say yes to him and follow him, like 80-something of you guys did this past week, with nothing else on our part, he wipes the slate clean. It's just that easy. It's a fresh, new beginning. And I love that he does all of that completely separate from the next promise. So that way there's no way that we can mix the two cups. Because God knew that if changing was a part of the salvation equation... He knew that, if if, oh, if I can just do enough, if if I can just work enough, then maybe I can be a part of the salvation process. Like every other religion out there, that that is actually a part of their process. That's how we can convince ourselves, oh, if all that's a part of it, maybe I can convince myself that maybe I had something to do with this. And we begin to take credit for it. And so he makes... These first two steps completely separate. It's a completely separate step, a completely different promise. And after you drink from the first cup, then, and only then, can you start the process. Then you can start this this journey to wholeness. Philippians chapter 2 actually talks about this order that we're discussing as well. So let's take a look at that. It says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Notice that we're already saved. And then afterwards, it's time to get to work. Right? Now we need to work on some of the areas in our life. uh, and, and, And this is the next step. This is the next promise that God has for us. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then it goes on, it says, for God is working in you. Let me just point this out. This is something new. This thing that God is doing inside of you, this is something brand new because up until this point, it was you trying to fix yourself. And there's some talented people in this room. Some very gifted people, and we can convince ourselves that we can do it. But now we have something new in the mix. Because instead of trying just you to fix yourself, you got a new partner. Jesus wants to take this journey with us so that we can experience the fullness and the promise of freedom. And when we invite Jesus into this mix with us, this verse actually tells us two different things that he's going to do. For God is working in you. Here's the reason why. Giving you now this desire, this new desire to to do life a different way. But he's not going to just give you this new desire because he's also going to give you the power to do it. And when we do that, it pleases him. Okay? Okay, so let me summarize in a phrase what we just proved biblically. Salvation happens in a moment. It's instant. Nothing on our part It happens in a moment because of the free gift that God did for us. Freedom is a journey. Freedom is a process. And God wants to take us on a journey where he partners with us... To change the desires of our heart. The hope being that, the de- that, that, that we begin to desire godly things in our life. And that the ungodly things in our life will begin to get smaller and smaller and smaller. That they don't dominate our life like they did in the past. Okay, Everybody on the same page? We're tracking together? okay? And he doesn't stop there because he combines it with the Holy Spirit. He combines it with this power to do this. But, but you need to check this out because it's so important is we still have to pursue it. It's not good enough just to know about it, to understand it, if we never pursue it. Let me say it this way. If I bring a chef over to your house, and you watch this chef cook, you understand now the process and the technique to which this chef cooks the the, the meal. But yet you never take the fork, put some food on it, and put it in your mouth, you're never going to eat because you have to pursue the things that God has for us. I can know and understand all day long. doesn't guarantee that I'm going to eat that food. Okay? We have to pursue this because when we do, that's when true freedom now comes up. But we have to go after it. So, cathedral, welcome to cup number two. Okay? Here's how I want to start. Over the past couple years, actually a lot of years, Pastor Mike has developed this phenomenal teaching around the spirit, soul, and body, and that's what I want to begin with. I want to begin with this diagram. So let me put it in a little bit of context. You have it in your notes. You can follow along. The first section is we have a body. Every single one of us have a body. Okay? This is the the external part of who we are, smell, taste, sound, all that kind of stuff. And so they make up the five senses. Okay? Every single one of us have it. Some better than others. (laughs) Then we move on to the soul part. Okay, now this moves from the external now to the internal. And what this is, is this is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now the next part of this equation is what separates us from everything else on this earth, from every other creation, because we also are a spirit being, hence the spirit, soul, and body. And when we become saved, the Holy Spirit now comes alive on the inside of us. Okay, this part, this Holy Spirit part is what we talked about last week. This is cup number one. Okay, and what's unique and really cool about this is when the Holy Spirit comes alive, it is immediately perfect. It needs no development. Okay, the Holy Spirit is perfect on the inside of us. This is actually what grants us to be able to get into God's presence anytime that we want. If you look at the Old Testament pre-Jesus, right, one time a year with one high priest had the ability to go into the holies of holies, which is where the presence of God was. Well, no longer. We don't have to wait once. How many days of the year can we get into the presence of God? 365. Every single one of them. Every second of the day because of what Jesus did in our life. We were made perfect in this part of our body, this part of who we are, the Holy Spirit, okay? So here's the thing that happens is these two, on the right-hand side, the body and the Spirit, they haven't taken the journey. They're not made perfect. They're actually a little stubborn. They don't like that a new boss is in town, okay? And so does it make sense that we can be saved... But we still got junk that we got to deal with in our life. We've been operating out of our body and soul for a long time. Hence why we are still struggling with lust or anger or, or some type of addictions or whatever the case may be. We're saved. We're going to heaven. We settled that piece. But we still got some junk operating in our life. Now, God doesn't want it that way. And here's the secret to this whole thing, for the junk not to be the thing that dominates your life, is now we have to start focusing on the spirit side of who we are. Our spirit side is perfect, but it's itty-bitty. Okay? And so we got to begin to grow this thing. we got to begin to live a life where we depend more on God and less about us. However many years it's been when you got saved, your body and your soul have been calling the shots. Whatever pleasure comes my way, heck yeah, let's go, baby. Whatever emotion is dominating my thoughts, let's do it. Come on. And so it's a process. It's a journey now, this this wholeness journey to where your body and your soul aren't communicating to the spirit side of who we are saying, hey, sit down and hush. Rather, it's the flip of that where your spirit man, their spirit woman becomes so strong on the inside of you, it's the one influencing the other two. That's this journey that he's talking about and how we re, um, receive freedom. Okay, This is what it talks about in 2 Corinthians when we're transformed into his likeness. This journey to wholeness happens little by little, layer by layer, or how scripture says it, from glory to glory. It's like every single time we uh, get a new facet of who he is, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And we grow a little bit. Our spirit man, our spirit woman gets a little bit bigger. It gets a little bit more dominant in our life. So let's talk about how do we allow God's spirit to transform us into truly free people? Because the struggles that we have in life, they're real. I mean, the challenges that we have in life, man, they can be so frustrating sometimes. We know that we shouldn't do whatever it is that's in our life, and we desperately want help, so that way it's not an issue in our life anymore. But the way this plays out so often is we feel like, for some reason, we can't let anybody know. And we say things like, oh, what would, if they knew, what would they think about me? Oh, that, that'll change. Somehow we convince ourselves that nobody else in the world is dealing with the things that you're dealing with. Surely there's nobody that could help me with this. It's too far gone. You see, the enemy does this really effective job of putting us through this mental tormenting cycle, convincing us that we're less than, that you're never going to be able to stop. You might as well just give in to the temptation, at least enjoy something, because this is going to be your life. But that's not the truth. It's a straight-up lie. You see, Satan lost the war. When you receive salvation, this is the war that he plays on all of humanity. He wants to hide us from that first cup. And when we say yes to him, immediately Satan lost the war. But just because he lost the war, do you think he just goes back to hell and says, Ah, shoot, missed that one. No, he's still active. He throws as many battles into our life, and here's why. Just because he lost the war doesn't mean that he gives up, because he knows if you grab a hold of the promises, you're a saved being now. And if you grab a hold of the promise, like Scripture says with both hands and don't let go, he knows that you'll be a wrecking force for hell, against hell. He knows the impact that you're going to have in the kingdom of God, and so that's why he begins to battle in your life and try to make your life as miserable as possible, as inconvenient as possible, as messy as possible, because who in the world would want to follow a miserable Christian? Lost the war, but the battle continues on. But it doesn't have to be that way, because we can achieve freedom if we're willing to follow God's process for healing that he promises so let me give you three overarching areas that we need freedom from and are really the focus of this cup number two. Here's, it's in your notes. Here's the first one. The first one is we need victory from sin, victory over sin. Now, this one kind of sounds like a no-brainer, but how amazing would it be if we actually achieved this in the major areas of our life? Because if we didn't have to live with this constant nagging thing or process of that we're letting somebody down, that we're letting ourselves down, that we're letting God, however you spend it in your head, how much time then could we get if we didn't have to deal with those things, but yet we could designate that time for the things that the Lord has for us? Like how much brain space could you now designate to the godly things that God has for you? How many of you guys have ever been in pain? Been in pain? And then you got out of pain. And you realize, I had no idea how much I was thinking about that pain. I had no idea how much brain space that I gave until I got out of pain. Sin does the same thing in our life. It dominates our thinking, and it changes the way our thinking, and takes all the time away so that we can't think about possibly what God wants to do in our life. This, this process, is getting victory over the bad choices that we have in our life. And I'm sure you've had this thought at some point in your life that this is just going to be it. Like, I'm always going to have these struggles. It's just who I am. Well, I'm here to tell you that God's desire is not that. It doesn't have to be. There is more to life. And I want us to listen to how Romans talks about this this back and forth kind of life that we play in our head. Romans chapter 7. It says, talking about this back and forth thing. It happens so regularly, it's predictable. Like the moment that I decide to do good, spirit man, spirit woman strong, right? Sin is there to trip me up. Body and soul trailing right behind, right? Calling those shots. You see, I truly delight in God's command, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in on that delight. We see the struggle between spirit man and this body and soul man, okay? It's this back and forth. So don't think this is just you. This is every single one of us. This is the apostles talking about. They struggle with it as well, okay? Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I mean, listen, I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I am at the end of my rope. Can anybody identify with that kind of thinking? Then he asked some questions. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? That's the question we should be asking ourselves. And don't you love when you read something in in the scriptures and you're like, oh man, I really hope that the Bible gives me the answer. Look at the next two words. The answer. Thank God. It's that Jesus Christ who what? Can and? You dag on. Let me give you the little translation of that. It's that Jesus Christ who delivers us. It's this cup of deliverance. It's this promise that he gives to us. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and all my mind. So we got to get victory over sin. The second goal of cup number two is we got to have victory over our wounds, victory from our wounds. Okay, so if the first one was sin, and you can describe that as what you do to yourself. Okay, this one, wounds, you could describe that as what others have done to you. We all have wounds. We all have wounds that we've got to sort out in, in our life. Uh, They've got to be sorted through. And, and I'm not sure how this looks in your life. Maybe somebody abused you. Maybe somebody disappointed you, let you down, hurt you in some kind of way. Maybe they spoke harshly to you. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe you went through some kind of tragedy or a divorce of any level. that As a young kid, it just messed you up, right? You didn't want it. You didn't ask for it. But yet it's a part of your story. We live in a fallen world, and it's just a part of it. But unfortunately, with this particular area, this is one of those areas when left undealt with, it will keep you stuck. It will keep you swirling around this cup and never being able to move on and experience the other two promises that God has for us. You see, the devil would love for this to be your life. The devil would love for for this to be your experience because if he can keep you here, your whole life will be about your problems. Instead of realizing, man, I can change the world and the people around me. He's working overtime to keep us deceived in this, in this rat race, in this tribe uh, of what wounds does in our life. Listen to me. Don't give the enemy that kind of control in your life. The fallout of wounds left untouched for so many people, and, and I think that you, you either know of somebody like this, you've seen somebody deal with it, but the fallout of when they leave it undealt with ends up looking like anger. They become so angry at whatever the situation is or the injustice that has been done to them. And they become bitter on the inside and this anger begins to take a foothold in your life. But I want you to listen to what the Bible says about this and why it's so important for us to pursue freedom from our wounds. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't even let the sun go down while you're still angry. And here's the reason why. Because anger gives a foothold to the devil. I know we don't want that. It's a part of the process. I know it's hard. I, I, I get it. But if you don't journey properly through your past, you'll never see your future. You'll always constantly be looking only in the rearview mirror, never looking out the front glass and seeing that there's a future ahead for you. God wants you and I to have Freedom. From our wounds. Last one is this is we gotta have victory over the enemy. Now, ultimately, this is an authority issue. Uh, I'll explain how that how it's that. But let me say this first. Not only do you have the sin that you do, okay, not only do you have the sin that other people do to you, but you also have an enemy that hates you. Here's the way scripture says it. This is 1 Peter 5 8. He says, your enemy, he does something. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, let me say it this way. You could be doing good in the other two areas of your life. You could be doing, hey, you know what? I'm I'm really kind of living in victory from the sin. It's not really that big of an issue anymore. It's not dominating my life. And I actually really have taken this journey to get victory over my wounds. But guess what? you still have a reason to drink from this cup of freedom because you have an enemy who's intended on messing up your life, which is why it is so important to learn how to take authority over the devil. That's why when we, when we talk about being a part of things like our Wednesday morning prayer, why it's so important if you want to learn how to pray, if you want to learn how to take authority over the enemy. Well, Dave, are you just about numbers and you want to get people more people into this Matter of fact, 100% I'm about numbers. If it means that you're going to get in here, learn what God's promises has for you, and that you can actually take authority over the enemy and experience true freedom for the first time in your life. (laughs) Unapologetically, I'm about numbers. If every single one of you guys starts showing up on Wednesday morning, it would do nothing but delight my heart because I know that's what God wants for this church. I desperately want you to experience this freedom. But you know who wants it way more than I ever thought about it? God. He wants us so desperately. It's important to know what to do. I won't go through the whole verse, but here's what Ephesians chapter 6 says about this. Finally, be strong in the Lord because he is the mighty power. He gives us instructions. He says, listen, you've got to put on the full armor of God. Why? So you can stand against the devil's schemes. Newsflash. The devil doesn't want good for you. I don't care how this world packages it up right now. But he doesn't want anything good for you. And we've got to know how to stand against the devil's schemes. The struggle, if you think about it, is between flesh and blood. It ain't. Scripture tells us. This is against the dark forces of this world. You say, okay, okay, Dave. You're making a great case. Case very well made. I am ready to drink from cup number two. I only have one request from you. I need a favor. Can you make it a tall one? I need all of that. All three of those. Make it a big one. I need a drink from it. And you're right. You need it. I need it as well. Every single one of us. Everybody say everybody. Everybody. Every single one of us have these three areas, and we need this cup in our life. So how do we do it? I'm going to show you, okay? And I only have one way to do that, which is through Scripture. Okay, and it's so good. It's so easy. But do you remember from week number one, Romans chapter 7, Paul's having this discussion, and he's asking this thing. He says, who is going to rescue me from my body calling the shots? My body is the dominating power in my life. It's tossing me to and from. Literally, if a wind goes by, I'm going to go with whatever it is. But he ends chapter seven with this question basically of saying, How am I going to find freedom from this? You can see the desperation. Well, you flip over to chapter eight, which is just a continuation of this, he gives us the answer. That's where we're going to pick it back up. Verse number one it says this Therefore, there is no condemnation. Everybody say, No shame. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, you've already drank from cup number one, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life and sets you free from the law of sin and death. Freedom. Listen to me. If you truly want to experience cup number two in your life, you need to listen to this verse. We're building a case here because if you let shame into this equation... If you let embarrassment enter into this equation, let condemnation enter in, you're going to stay stuck in a never-ending cycle until you learn how to take those parts out. Now, I know that sounds a little bit harsh, and I'm coming across as a little passionate, but it's because I genuinely want you to experience freedom. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to settle for a less-than life. I mean, what good does it do for you to come to church your whole entire life if all you're going to do is put your mask on before you get out of the car? How you doing today, brother? Oh, man, doing great. Praise the Lord. blessed and highly favored. That's a bunch of junk. Don't think that people can't see past that. In church, we do a really good job of getting out of our car and saying, hmm, let me put the church face on. Let me smile. Nobody can tell what I got going on. Being fake ain't going to get you freedom. Hiding your problems doesn't make them disappear. Breaking news. You've got issues. I've got issues. Don't hear me say next Sunday I need you to stand at the front door and tell everybody you're junk. Don't do that. You'll have other problems in your life. I promise I'll tell you a little bit better way of how to handle this in just a little bit. okay? But the quicker we can say, yep. that's me. You just took your first step in freedom. Okay? Let me say it this way. We've had a lot of people over the last few weeks start coming here. A lot of, not a, a lot of brand new people uh, coming to the church over the last couple months. And I love that. Welcome in. But if you're looking for a, the perfect church, can I just tell you, you found the wrong one. Okay, but let me tell you what you did find. You found a group of people who are authentically, genuinely, unapologetically, and determined to not stay where we are. One of the words that I feel like the Lord is defining this year by for you guys is hunger. This year has been defined because y'all are hungry for the things of God. And I love that. If you ever want to know some of the things, I pray for that every single time. God, whatever it is that you're doing, this revival that you're bringing on the inside of so many folks inside of this church, would you never let it leave us or depart us? Lord, I want this church to be defined. Oh, you go to cathedral? Oh, them some hungry people. They chase after. That is a biblical foundation. We are some hungry people, by the way, because we love food. At least I do. But I pray that over us all the time. Okay? I want us to experience freedom. And so I want to end today by showing you the key to experiencing freedom, this peace, this this life that God wants for us. And the thing that has the most influence to the level of freedom that you and I will experience, and it is the key, is the people that you surround yourself with. John Maxwell says it this way, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It breaks my heart. When I see people start veering away and you can see that the people that they begin to hang around changes. And you can watch the writing on the wall. And it breaks my heart because you know what the next step is going to look like. They're surrounding themselves with people that aren't good. That they don't have their best interests in heart. The way that we have it in your notes is this, is that relationships are key. Well, Dave, this kind of seems a little bit more like your opinion. Nah, sorry. I ain't that smart and ain't got enough time for all that. It's the Bible, okay? It's the Bible. Let me show you quickly of this importance between our relationships in our life and the freedom that we experience, okay? Here's the first verse I'm going to give you. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sin, saying, hey, I got this all by myself, ain't nobody going to know what's going on. That's the kind of person that you want to be. If you want to be whoever conceals their sins, guess what, does not prosper. Oh, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I say, oh, okay, I got this. This is talking about forgiveness, right? Oh, are, you, are you sure? Is that all it's talking about? Okay, let's see. First John 1:9 says, "If we confess our sins, he, talking about God, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Who's doing the forgiving? God's doing the forgiving. In other words, He takes care of our sin. He takes care of what you and I do that is not pleasing to Him, but not the fact that you're doing it over and over and over and again. And again, we're getting the forgiveness, but the repetition, the cycle is not stopping. For that, you need a different kind of confession. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be Oh, the prayer of a righteous person, it's powerful. It's effective. So make sure you understand this right. Okay. The right people in your life can forgive you. They cannot forgive you. But the right people in your life can heal you. Okay, let me give you something to write down. Go to God for forgiveness. Go to God's people for healing. This is God's recipe for doing life. This is God's recipe for living in freedom. It's for us to drink from this second cup. And the way that we do this is by the relationships that we surround ourselves with. This is why God repeatedly, all throughout scriptures, refers to believers as this, as a group, as a family, as a body, as a fellowship. That's what he wanted. This looks like when I got something going on in my life, I go to Eddie, I go to Luke, and I say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this thing in my life. I got got something going on that I need your help with. I take the mask off. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. I say, listen, will you help me out? Maybe it's, maybe it's accountability that I need. Maybe, maybe it's that I need prayer. Maybe, maybe I, I feel like God has communicated to me something that I need to be doing, but I'm getting a little nervous about it. Maybe I, maybe I need a little bit of encouragement that says, hey, Dave, I got your best interest at heart. Let me tell you what God promised to you. Let me tell you who you are. You go into this thing like a bold, roaring line. Because that's what Scripture tells us to do. May, may, I don't know what it is exactly that I need. Whatever it is, the important thing is we form this group. And in this group, there's honesty. There's transparency. And little by little, change begins to happen. Layer by layer. Glory to glory. Try this by yourself. And you'll see... It doesn't work. I'm going to close with this today. Because I want to make sure that you understand that there's different aspects of a person's life. There's four different aspects of a person's life. Two psychologists came up with this. Um, I can't remember their names. If you really want it that bad, come find me later. I'll look them up. But the important part is the, is the principle here. The first one is this. is We all have an arena aspect of our life. This is the public side. Of us, And the way that we would say this is, I know and you know. So a good example is what we're doing here this morning. The relationship that you guys have with me up on this stage, I display things about my life. I display things about my family and my children. And it, I, I know and you know. It's this arena aspect. We all have it. The second aspect of our life is the mask, the mask aspect of our life way you would say this is, I know, but you don't know. And unfortunately, the majority of our society lives this way. Even more unfortunate than that, the majority of believers live this way. They live with the majority of people, if not everybody, never knowing the true self. They live with this mask on, even in their homes. It's 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 tough. The third area, the third aspect is the blind spot aspect. the way that you would say this is, you know, but I don't know. Now, an easy way to think about this is, let's say that we just uh, went to Taco Tuesday, okay? And I just smashed about seven tacos. Beautiful, amazing tacos, right? What I don't know is I got the world's largest cilantro leaf right here, okay? I don't know! I'm living my best life. I just slammed seven tacos. But you know that I got cilantro in my teeth. And my hope would be is that you love me enough that you're gonna tell me I got cilantro because you know, but I don't know. It's this blind spot part of our life. And we all have it, whether it's a blind spot in our finances, okay? Whether it's a blind spot in our relationships. But we all have these blind spots that we're somehow blinded to, but yet the people in our life, they can see the dysfunction, okay? Last one is this, and this is where it really gets fun, but it's the potential life, the potential aspect, and here's here's what this one sounds like. It says, I don't know, and you don't know. But let me add this part to it, but God knows, you see, nothing that God ever created can realize its potential alone. There's a reason why God created man and he created woman. There's a reason why when Noah in the ark was happening, he needed how many? Two of every animal. Nothing that God has ever created can realize its potential alone. Potential requires connection. Potential requires relationship. Take my hand, for example. If I lopped my hand off and it's just sitting here on the ground, can't really accomplish hardly anything. It's just a mass of matter. Okay, I can't do anything. But when I connect it to my arm and I connect it to my body, now there's all kinds of potential that can be released. I can move my fingers, I can point, right? I can make heart emojis, right? I can push, I can pull, I can do all kinds of things because I'm now connected to the right source. Dave, why are you telling me all this? I'm saying all of this to help you understand how to pursue this cup. The purpose of this series is not just to increase your knowledge. The purpose of this series is not just to increase your understanding. Both of those are great. The purpose of this series is to increase the pursuit of what you go after. you got to know where you are, so that way you know where to go. You'll never know where to go in your life if you don't know where you are. You ever been to a mall and you go up to the map? What's the first thing you look for? Little red X. You are here because if I don't know where I am and we can't be honest and we can pull the mask off, I can never get to my future destination. I can't get to that store. I can't get to where God wants me to go. We have to create environments where right relationships can happen so that life change can begin to happen in our lives. I'm going to end with this. You have it on the bottom of your notes. You're going to see two QR codes. And I was praying about this particular part of service because when you're talking about deliverance, deliverance can be a heavy thing. We've got some tough situations in life. But I also didn't want to open up a can of worms that now you have to go handle the rest of your day with. And I was praying about this thing, and I said, Lord, how do you want me to end this service? And I really felt like he prompted me this way. He said, end it just like my scripture says. It gives us two directives. Where do we get forgiveness from? Where do we get healing from? God's people. So that's exactly how I'm going to end it. I'm going to give everybody an opportunity who just says, you know what, Dave, from one of those three areas, I identify and I I want to ask for forgiveness. But the second thing is we've we've got to get going with God's people. Well, how do I do that? First QR code you have there is our growth track. And the growth track is the lab to what we talk about up here. We explore on a deeper issue of what does God have for your life? He has so much more. In fact, here's what I was praying. And I tell you this because I don't know why. I just feel like it's good for y'all to know how I pray for you guys. Can I tell you how I prayed around this particular one? God, would you make next month, because you can start any week, but y'all like to start on week one. I don't blame you. I'm the same way. But God, next month, would you let it be the biggest growth track that this church has ever seen? Because we're that hungry for to make sure that we're chasing after the godly things, the right things, the, the the promises that He has, and that we're grabbing hold. If you haven't gone through our growth track, scan that QR code. You don't need to sign up. You don't need all. You need to do is simply walk to this room right behind me. Walk right in, and that team is so jacked up, ready to go, ready to take care of you. Okay, participate, pursue. Second QR code that you're going to have there is uh, a QR code for our small groups because you have to get in right relationships. We just started our small group semester, so you're in the perfect time, okay? You have two ways to do this. We actually just met with the leaders of our small groups, and here's what they were surprised at. I had no idea we had that group. And the same thing's gonna happen to you as you research our groups. You may find one and go, that's it. That's what I wanna be a part of. The second option, you say, you know what? None of these are really matching up. Don't let that stop you. Do you realize that every single one of y'all have a group? You just don't call it a small group. We're all doing life with somebody. And so here's my encouragement. You see somebody in the church, you're like, hey, you know what? I want to get to know them. Hey, it looks like their family is really healthy. I'd like my family to kind of look more like theirs and less like mine. Go after them. You know what I did when I had twins? I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I need your help. But I found some other people in the church who had twins who I wanted to emulate. I wanted my family to look like their family. I don't know what taking care of twins is like. I'm scared as I'll get out. But in the context of right relationships, there's freedom. And so you get a group together. You say, well, Dave, do we have to pick a Bible study to go through? I mean, that's a bonus, but no, you don't have to pick that. Simply get together. Tell Eddie that you're going to get together, and he'll take one of you guys through the leadership process of, like, how do we get this? What do we want you to go after? You don't have to do an actual Bible study, but there's a couple things that we can guarantee this freedom process. It's scripture, it's not us. We just wanna make it available to you. We wanna teach you in that way. Here's the last thing that we have for you and I'm gonna let you go. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If you say, Dave, I identify with those three areas that you're talking about and I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness from the sin in my life. Got too much of it, I just, I need it. I need I need victory over sin. If you're here and you say, you know what, I need victory Dave, I got so many wounds in my life. I need victory over my wounds. You may be here and your life is going pretty good, but you just feel that the enemy is too prevalent in your life. Life is just too hard for whatever the reason is. You're not exactly sure why, maybe you can't put your hand on it. Hopefully, after today you understand, hey, there's an enemy that doesn't like you. Maybe, maybe it's just that, and you just you need victory over the enemy. If any one of those three things that you identify, would you simply just raise your hand saying, I want prayer for that. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. All I'm going to do is just pray over you. We're just simply going to do what Scripture says. Yeah, hands all over the place. Hands all over the place. All right, put them down. Open your eyes, look at me. Guess what? The majority of you lifted your hands. You're not in this by yourself. I'm right there with you. Every one of us need cup number two, this cup of deliverance. Let's pray, let's ask for forgiveness, and let's pursue this cup. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, whatever they need victory from, whether it's sin, whether it's wounds, whether it's whatever the enemy's trying to do in their life, Father, we pray for victory in our life. If you're home sitting on your couch and you're just saying, Lord, I just, I'm tired of doing this life by myself. God, I need you operating a little bit more. You got your hand raised and saying, I need victory from one of these areas. Father, we plead your blood. What you did on that cross, you settled this for us. So, Father, we believe and receive true freedom, true victory that you have for us in our life. But, Father, can I pray boldly and proclaim boldly that this church now begins to just go after these promises? Lord, whatever the distractions are that would keep them from pursuing these promises, Lord, take them away. But, Father, we go after the promises that you have. We go after receiving this cup of freedom, and no longer are we bound up. No longer is Egypt on the inside of us. Egypt is now gone. And, Lord, I just ask that you get us ready because you got two more promises that is getting ready to open up our eyes to a life that we never thought possible. We receive that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, Amen, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed cup number two. Thank you guys so much for being here. Look forward to seeing you in cup number three next week. Have a great weekend. Love you guys so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.